0: You are listening to the following Sunday School lesson through the Newfound Faith website. Visit our site for more lessons like this one and for sermons and Bible studies as well. I also ask that you become a follower to the site by signing up with your email address under the subscribe tab. Don't miss a sermon, Sunday School lesson, Bible study, or any announcements. Subscribe today! can follow along with the commentary of this lesson at newfoundfaith.org. There, you will be able to dive even deeper into this lesson with more details and see all of the scripture references. This week's Sunday School Lesson, Lesson Number Two in the Summer Quarter, Isaiah's Commission. This week's lesson is being taught from the sixth chapter of Isaiah, starting at the first verse and going through the eighth verse. Be sure you take a moment to read today's passage of scripture before continuing to listen to this lesson. Pause the audio now. Unpause the audio once you have finished reading. Our lesson this week is going to take a look at the call of the prophet Isaiah, Our lesson again that is titled Isaiah's Commission. We are taking a look at a lesson within a unit of lessons for this month that is again titled Faithful to Serve. So again, we're looking at being faithful to serve the Lord. Now, Isaiah, as you very well know, uh, is a prophet of the Lord uh, with a prophecy that not only included what would happen to both Israel and to Judah, when I say Israel and Judah, I want you to understand that I'm talking about uh, Israel and Judah during the divided kingdom years, Israel was in the northern kingdom and Judah was to the south and the southern kingdom. Not only did Isaiah prophesy about what would come to uh, Judah and to Israel, he also prophesied about Christ, uh, he prophesied about the suffering servant, he even prophesied, about the birth of Christ as well. Uh, Isaiah's prophecy even went further on into the future uh, where he looked at the redemption of the believers about how Christ would reign uh, eternally. So uh, Isaiah is one of the most well-known prophets. It is uh, his book is also one of the most well-known books as well uh, when it comes to uh, the books of the Bible. So our lesson, essentially, it is going to follow what we began in our lesson last week where we took a look at uh, the call of Samuel. Now, again, our lesson today is titled Isaiah's Commission. So let us recall, let us remember what it means to be commissioned uh, to be commissioned uh, is to be authorized to act. OK, it is uh, you. You've been authorized to do something right. I think about my brother who is often commissioned uh, for a piece of art or for doing a logo. Uh, He's been authorized to do a logo for someone, right? Uh, So to be commissioned uh, is to be authorized to act on or in behalf of or in the place of another. Now, as we are uh, genuine believers, as we are a child of God, uh, you always hear me talk about the Great Commission. Uh, that you can find uh, at the very end of the book of Matthew, uh, the 28th chapter, the 19th and the 20th verse. We know that we have been tasked. We have been commissioned by Christ. So in other words, we have been authorized by Christ to share the good news. Uh, In those two verses, you'll see that we are to baptize all nations in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son and in the name of the Holy Spirit. We have been authorized To do that by Christ himself. Uh, There are many people who question that. But again, we have been authorized Mm -hmm. by Christ. We have scripture uh, that proves that we have been authorized by Christ to do uh, just that. So we as genuine believers, as we saw at the end of our Sunday school lessons for the last quarter, we are ambassadors of the Lord. We are ambassadors for Christ. And we act as ambassadors for Christ when we go out into the world and when we uh, minister the good news, whether we do that verbally or whether we do that through our actions. We have been tasked. We have been authorized to do that by Christ, by God himself. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to dive right into our lesson here uh, for today. And we'll see here that the first verse in our lesson here today, it says there. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. So there in the opening verse, we see what we saw in our lesson last week when Samuel was called. Okay, uh, In our lesson last week when Samuel was called, we, got, we, we saw a time frame uh, for when Samuel was called. Okay, It was very specific in that scripture. We were told a couple of things that Eli, uh, Eli, the priest at that time, uh, that he was an older man, but we were also told that Samuel was considered a, a young boy or a young or a child. And, and I, I went into depth about uh, our understanding for that. Not that Samuel was about four or five years old, but uh, he was essentially a teenager. He was very young uh, when he was called. Uh, the difference between Samuel and Isaiah is that we at least had an, we have an idea of, of where Samuel came from. We, we have a bit of his history, uh, because we saw that he was already ministering to the Lord. So essentially he was already being prepared. Uh, he was per- performing in the tabernacle, uh, helping Eli. Uh, we know about Samuel's mother as well. When you look at the first to second chapter of first Samuel, Uh, You see the name of his mother was Hannah. Now with Isaiah, we'll notice that Isaiah's commission, his call, uh, we don't read about it uh, at the the, the first chapter or the second chapter or the third chapter uh, like we did with Samuel. Uh, His commission is actually kind of out of place uh, because, you know, when we open up the book of Isaiah, we already see that he's at work. Uh, We get his call at the sixth chapter. Okay, that does not mean that uh, he was commissioned after he had already started prophesying. We're just getting the his commission. We're getting the story of his commission now at this point uh, in in this chapter. But Isaiah uh, kind of reminds me of Elijah and several of the other prophets as well, in which we don't really know uh, anything about their history. We just see them in action. As soon as we open up uh, and begin to read and, and study about them uh in, in their books. But we are told the time frame of when he was commissioned. We are told that it was in the year that King Uzziah died. Now Uzziah he was one of the good kings. Uh, he was one of the last few good kings of Judah. That is the the Southern Kingdom. Uh, Uzziah he was called at a very young age uh, or I should say he his reign uh began at a very young age. He was about sixteen years old we are told in scripture and we're told that he reigned for about 52 years. So he had a very long reign and we would say that his reign was a prosperous reign. It was actually uh, a really good reign. Unfortunately for Uzziah, uh, he was prideful. He be, he became prideful uh, in his latter years of the things that he had, he himself believed had accomplished. But again, as we all know that we, we don't accomplish anything by ourselves. We, what we accomplish in our life is all thanks to the Lord. So Uzziah, uh, he tragically, his his death was rather sad. Uh, he w- transgressed against the Lord because of his pride. And because of his pride, the Lord struck him with leprosy. And he eventually died uh, of uh, his leprosy as well. So that time of Uzziah and his death, it was a very sad time for uh, Judah and It was also a time frame where Judah itself was starting to move in the direction of their brothers to the north, Israel, the other 10 tribes. Uh, Judah was beginning to turn to wickedness and not turn back from that wickedness. They were beginning to live in that wickedness that would lead to them being conquered by the Babylonians and being carried away into exile. Uh, by the Babylonians. And we will see here that Isaiah was commissioned at a time uh, where, again, the Lord's message of repentance, it needed to go out to all of Judah. We we are also shown here in the opening verse of our lesson here, uh, a vision that Isaiah received from the Lord. He says again there in that verse, it says in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne. So, again, this is a vision that I, that Isaiah received from God. He sees the Lord sitting on a throne. Now, he's going to, I believe, tell us uh, where the Lord, where this throne actually is. And I don't believe that this was a throne uh, that was of this world or in Solomon's temple, which would have certainly been standing at that point in time. Solomon's temple had not yet been destroyed by the Babylonians. He says there again in that opening verse, he says, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple. I I feel like that's the first hint right there about where this throne is. Uh, I don't think that this throne is of this world because the Lord, the throne was high and it was lifted up. Okay, I don't believe that it is of this world. Uh, if you look at uh, the Psalms of David or if you go later on into uh, the book of Isaiah, I believe it's around the 66th chapter of Isaiah, I believe, um, and I could be wrong with that, but uh, you'll see where the Lord, where through the prophet Isaiah, where God speaks of how his thoughts are higher than His than our thoughts and his ways are, are higher than our ways, uh, you'll see where the Lord speaks about. Uh, heaven being his throne and earth being his footstool. Uh, God essentially sits high and he looks low, right? And so that's why I believe that this throne that is spoken of here in the opening verse, I believe that it is the throne that is in heaven. I believe that it is God's throne uh, that is in his heavenly kingdom. Again, that verse said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up and the train of his robe, filled the temple. The second verse says above it stood seraphim, which again hints at uh, where this throne is. Seraphim are heavenly beings. They are heavenly angels. They are a a group of heavenly angels. And we're told there that they stood, says above it stood seraphim, which means essentially that they were hovering. They were flying above the throne of God, said each one has six wings with two. He covered his face and with two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. So again, they were hovering. They uh, I believe that they were hovering above uh, the throne and and they had their feet and their face uh, covered. We're told there in the third verse, it says, and one cried to another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. So the seraphim, they are singing praises to God around his throne now you've probably heard me speak about the seraphim before you've probably heard me speak about the cherub before as well uh the cherubs they stand guard the seraphims they sing praises okay and we see that they sing praises hovering above the throne of god and i and i've said this before and i i'll repeat it here in this lesson uh god has praises sung to him all the time by the heavenly angels okay Uh, he, he does not have to command us to sing him praises. He already has angels singing him praises, uh, which is why he just looks for us to do that by our own choice Uh, because of all that he has done for us. I would believe that God, uh, is certainly worthy of your praise. Okay. And I, and I believe that that praise uh, should come from your lips, from your mouth. And he does not dictate Uh, That you should sing him praises. He has angels that are already doing that. Uh, We should do that again by our own choice that the Lord loves. So, again, it says above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings with two. He covered his face and with two, he covered his feet. Speaking of the seraphim and with two, he flew and one cried to another, said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Okay. The whole earth is full of God's glory. And I, and I believe that I believe that to still be true, uh, today It's very interesting that the angels again were singing that in, in Isaiah's vision at that time, because again, uh, there was wickedness stirring. Okay. Uh, the Northern kingdom was wicked. The Southern kingdom was going in the direction of that wickedness as well. And, and when God's children, are wicked, uh, that tells you a great deal. Okay. About the rest of the world at that time, again, Israel, Judah, they were the Lord's chosen people. They are the Lord's chosen people and they were given into sin. So I believe that shows you how wretched of a place the world was, uh, spiritually at that point in time. Yet, uh, the angels, they sing that the whole earth is full of God's glory. Now we'll see the 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 power that's the only word that I could come up with the power of the praise of the seraphim here uh, in this fourth verse. The fourth verse says, "And the posts of the door were shaken." This is the door of the temple, by the way. It says the post of the door was shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. Then him who cried out there is not speaking of the Lord. We know uh that's not speaking of the Lord because the h there in the hymn it is a lowercase h if it was speaking of God, it would have been a an uppercase h there uh in that verse, so the hymn there is speaking of the seraphim that is crying out uh and I believe that they cried out again, it says they're one to another uh what's what's very interesting here that I do want to point out here is that we're not told uh how many seraphim were were around. Uh, the throne of God that was hovering over the throne of God. The only thing uh, that we're told there is the description of what they looked like. They had six wings, we were told, and two covered their face, uh, two covered their feet. And with two, with the other two, uh, they flew. Okay, that's really the only thing that we're told. And and then we're told that uh, they were singing praises. We know that it was a group of uh, heavenly angels. It was a group of seraphim, which we will see here in a moment in, in, in scripture as well. So uh, we, we know that it was a group of them. We just don't know how many. OK, it could have just been three of them. Uh, it could have been a lot more than them. Right. Uh, we don't have an, an, a number of how many seraphim it was. Yet we know uh, that the singing of the praise of God was was so mighty. It was so strong. It was so powerful uh, that the door of the the temple of God, Okay, the doorposts were shaken uh, by the singing of the praise. Okay, and then we're told there at the end of that four verse says that the house was filled with smoke. Uh, I believe we're going to see here in a moment where that smoke actually came from. Uh, It it could it it could be a couple of things uh, there uh, with the smoke. I believe it was we're going to see specifically what it was. But just uh, for the reason of this lesson, I guess you could say. I'll point out that the smoke of the temple could have been God's glory, okay? Uh because God's glory is often spoken of uh, as a cloud or or as a smoke if you will. Uh for example, if you go back to uh the days of Moses when the Lord would visit Moses uh in the tabernacle, uh would speak of how uh the smoke or the cloud of God how it filled uh the tabernacle. So it is possible OK, not not saying it's in, not impossible, impo- uh, uh, but it is possible that the smoke that filled the temple could have been uh, the glory of God. I don't necessarily believe that that's the case. Uh, we'll see why uh, in a moment as we continue on in our lesson here. Uh, the fifth verse. Still looking at this vision and, and, and you know, we're, we're someone may think right now we're not really talking about a commission here from Isaiah, but we we start to get into the meat of, of the significance of. of of Isaiah's vision here, uh, with the start of this fifth verse, the fifth verse says, so I said, woe is me. I am undone. A lot of times when, uh, I I reference uh, Isaiah's commission, his call uh, to prophecy. I like to do so because of this vision, uh, that Isaiah had of the Lord sitting on his throne and then the angels, uh, singing praises to God. For Isaiah, Isaiah was just a man. He was just like you and me. He was, he was flesh and blood. And in this vision, he's seeing the throne of God. And then not only is he seeing the throne of God, he's just seeing the majesty of it, right? Uh, at the throne of God, he sees the, the train of, 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 of the robe of, of God. And how it is filled the temple. And then he sees these heavenly angels uh, singing praises to the Lord. And it was something that just it left it left Isaiah with no words uh, that he could say. He he just says here that he was undone at at the sight of of what he was seeing. It was so all he was left in all. That's that's the only thing. The, the the only expression that I could share with you is that uh he was left in awe at at what he was seeing here. Now, I do want to point out here is that I I don't believe that Isaiah saw the true form of God, because as we know from our recent studies in the years, uh, specifically with Moses, who desired to see the Lord, the Lord told Moses that nobody could see his face. Nobody could see his true form unless they died. no, no one could do that. So I don't believe that Isaiah saw the true form of God. I do believe that he saw a form of God, and the form of God and in all of, of his glory that that he could see and the majesty of, of the throne room and the, the heavenly angels, the seraphim singing praises, it left him undone. He said, woe is me, I am undone, I'm just a lowly man. And, and we see him. We see Isaiah carry this thought even further, where he says, because I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. I am undone because I am just a man of unclean lips. I'm a sinner, is what Isaiah essentially says there. says, I'm a sinner. And and here I am. I'm standing in the presence of of this majesty, this this sovereignty of God, where he's sitting on his throne and, and he has this this robe, where the, the the train of the robe is filled, this temple and and these heavenly angels that I'm seeing, something that that I, that I've never seen before in my life. They 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 are are singing praises to the Lord, and and Isaiah essentially is saying here, I am unworthy of being able to see all of this. I'm not worthy of seeing all of this. I don't belong here, is what Isaiah says. There, I don't belong here. i I'm, I'm, I'm a man. I'm just a man of unclean lips. I'm a sinful man. What am I doing here is essentially what Isaiah says there. Then he not only says that he's a man of unclean lips, but that he lives in in the midst. He lives in the midst of others with with unclean lips. All of us are the same way, right? Uh, we, we live in, in a world of wickedness, as we often say, and we ourselves, even though we are a genuine believers, even though we have professed our faith to the Lord, we are still sinners. We are justified sinners. We are justified sinners through our faith in Jesus Christ. But at the end of the day, you and I are still very well capable of committing sin. And guess what? You and I still do commit sin. Okay, whether you know it or or whether you do it unknowingly, you and I, we still commit sins. We aren't perfect. Nobody is perfect. We are people of unclean lips. We are people of unclean actions. We are people of unclean thoughts as well we are sinners. And so if you and I were in Isaiah's shoes and we saw this vision, we would be no different than him. And I say that as a preacher. If I was given a vision of the Lord's throne room this very second when I lay down to go to sleep tonight, I would be like Isaiah, I would be undone. I would realize that I am not worthy. I am absolutely not worthy. And for us to come to that realization, it takes for us to be humble. Okay, and and we see that Isaiah was a man who was humbled by this vision that he had had. And I tell you today that when I read about the Lord's love, when I read about his grace, what he has done for us, when I read scripture uh, like this uh, of what someone has witnessed, and I truly believe that Isaiah had this vision uh, when I read the Book of Revelation and all that was revealed to to john you know i'm I'm left with that same feeling of awe, and that I am not worthy of it and I tell you today that I still can't understand why God loves me, why He sits high and looks down low on to little old me. It makes no sense to me now I am grateful I am very thankful that God does so. But again, it it takes humility for me to admit that the Lord just leaves me in awe. And I'm very grateful and I'm very thankful for it. So again, we see Isaiah say there at the sight of this vision, he says, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. And he says, My eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Now, with this admission from Isaiah, let us remember again that this is Isaiah's commission. This is him being called into service by the Lord. And so we will see that at this admission from Isaiah in the sixth verse says one of the seraphim flew to me, flew to Isaiah, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongues from the altar, the altar. So there was an altar. There's an altar in the throne room of the Lord. And this altar, again, the coal that the the seraphim is flying with, uh, it is a live coal, which means that that altar was burning. Okay. And so when we go back to that verse just a few verses ago, uh, where we were told there in the fourth verse that uh, the house, the temple, was filled with smoke, I believe that that smoke came from this altar. That was burning with the live coals. That's where I believe that the smoke came from. Again, the possibilities could be anything, right? It could have been God's glory. Uh, but I, I, I believe that it was the altar that was burning, uh, with these, these live coals that the seraphim, uh, gathered with tongue, with a tongue and brought to Isaiah. Now, why, why is the seraphim doing this? We'll see it said, the reason is given to us there in the seventh verse. It says, and he, the seraphim, touched my mouth with it. That's the live coal that was taken from the altar and said, behold, this has touched your lips. The live coal has touched your lips. Your iniquity, your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. Your iniquity, your trespasses, your transgression. Your sins forgiven, taken away, removed. Okay, and, and and the seraphim again said, There, your sin purged. Now, I don't know if all of you will remember the series of sermons that I preached last year where I preached about a being a vessel of God. And I believe I preached that around this, this time, or it may have been a, a few weeks uh, later in the year last year, but I remember it being right after. Uh, I I was able to begin preaching after my surgery uh, last year from receiving my new transplant. And in order for us to be a vessel of the Lord, we saw that we must be sanctified by God first. The reason why we must be sanctified by God first is because God is not going to use a, a filthy. He's not going to use a filthy creature to to work on his behalf, to be a vessel of his. He's not going to use one who is a mess. God is going to clean up uh, the vessel before he uses the vessel. Right. You and I, we, we don't eat from a, a dirty dish. We don't eat from a dirty bowl or from a dirty plate. We don't we don't use a, a dirty fork or a dirty spoon uh, to eat with as well. What do we do? We wash a bowl. We wash your plate. We wash the utensils that we are going to eat with before Uh, we use those, those vessels to, to eat with God works in the same manner. God is not going to use one who is a mess. He is going to sanctify them. Okay. This means again, to, to set apart, to, to, to cleanse, if you will, he's going to do that spiritually now, you and I, the way that you and I are sanctified is through the blood of Jesus. Jesus died on the cross, he shed his blood for us and through his shed blood, we we find mercy, we find forgiveness uh, in the Lord's eyes. We are sanctified. We have been set apart from those who are still of sin. They have not come to Christ. They have not been washed by the blood of Jesus. We are sanctified and the purpose, the reason why we are sanctified is so that God can use us. All right. So God, he, through sanctifying us, he makes us fit to be used. If we are not sanctified by the blood of Jesus, then we are not fit to be used as a vessel by the Lord. Now, the same thing held true for Isaiah. The only difference between us and Isaiah is that Isaiah lived well before the time of Jesus Christ. There was no shed blood of the only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to to sanctify Isaiah. So essentially what we see here in this the, these verses here where where the angel takes the coal, uh, the live coal from the altar and then touches the the mouth of Isaiah, we essentially see Isaiah being sanctified in order to be fit for God's use. This is Isaiah because Isaiah, again, realized that he was a sinner that that he should in isaiah's mind he did not belong where he was because he was a sinner okay but god had plans in store for him all right god was not going to strike isaiah down because he was a sinner okay he was going to use isaiah and, and 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 so the lord sanctified him he made isaiah fit uh to be used as a vessel of his and he did this uh through uh the live coal and touching the, the, the mouth of Isaiah with that live coal. Now again I do want to make it very clear that this was not something that physically uh was happening with Isaiah. He was not physically touched with a, a live coal on the mouth. His mouth uh was not burned. I don't want anybody uh to be thinking that. This again was happening all in a vision. So essentially this is all happening, uh, spiritually, if you will. And Isaiah is, is seeing this, uh, in, in his vision. Again, the seraphim said there, uh, behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. Isaiah has been made fit. Okay. He's made, made fit to serve the Lord. Now, there's another question there okay, that I feel I must ask. And this is something that, I, again, I also spoke of when I was speaking about being a vessel of the Lord. God sanctifies us to, to make us fit, to make us ready uh, to serve him. But the question would be, are you ready to serve? That would be the, the next thing that, that God will ask us. Are you? I have made you fit. I have made you ready to serve. Now, are you ready to do so? some of us, we are ready and we will tell the Lord, hey, yes, we are ready. I'm ready to serve. I'm ready to do uh, what it is that you have for me to do. Now, there are others who, when God makes them ready, because this is certainly possible, it is possible for some to be made fit and ready by the Lord, but uh, they themselves aren't ready. Okay. And when God calls on them, uh, to, to serve, because again, he knows that they're fitting, that they're ready because he's made them fit and he's made them ready. Some will ignore God's call. They will ignore God's call and they would say to the Lord, that's not something that I want to do. I don't think I can do that. You know, Moses, he had that in him when, when, when the Lord, uh, spoke to Moses from the bush that was burning, but was not consumed. Uh, The Lord was calling on Moses and he had a a task uh, for Moses to carry out. And Moses was coming up with every excuse. He was coming up with every excuse possible uh, not to to carry out the task that God had commissioned him with. Uh, He used the excuse that he was a stutterer, uh, that he that he could not speak well. And the Lord sent him Aaron to, to speak on his behalf. Every excuse that that Moses came up with, the Lord would supply a need for it. There are many people today who are fit and ready, but when God calls on them, they ignore the call because again, they believe that it's just not something that uh, they are able to do. they'll ignore the call and they ignore it intentionally. Uh, there are some who when god when God calls on them, uh, they will run, and they will run as hard and as fast and as long as uh, they possibly can and and a lot of preachers often uh joke about. Uh, running from the call and and I remember and i and I've said this before uh when I wanted to run uh the lord made it impossible for me to run okay god made it impossible uh for for me to run on the day when when he called me the only thing that I could do uh was accept the call he the lord i, I was jokingly say now he left me uh with no choice but uh, I believe that I was called at a, a very young age, uh, a young age in in my teenage years. Uh, and I shared this at church last week. That uh, one night I couldn't go to sleep, and I decided that hey, I'll just open up my Bible and I'll do some reading. And and I just you know how you randomly open up your Bible. I just randomly opened up my Bible. Uh, two verses, two scripture that was speaking about being called uh, to preach by the Lord. So it was very well clear uh to me at a very early age that, that God uh, was going to use me. And I wouldn't say that I necessarily ran from, from the call. I just knew that that was something that I was going to do. And it was just a matter of when I was going to do it. And, and when the wind came around, I wanted to run, but God made it impossible uh for me uh to do so. Now we will see that the Lord, in this eighth verse has that question for Isaiah. And again, I believe that this is a question uh, that the Lord asks all of those uh, who he has made fit and ready to serve. The eighth verse uh, we'll see it says there, it says also I heard the voice of the Lord saying." So now it is clear that God is speaking here, okay? Isaiah lets us know uh, that the Lord is speaking here uh, with this question. God asks, we'll see him ask there in the eighth verse, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Now, who shall I send and who will go for us? A couple of things to state there. The us, who is the us that is being spoken of there? The us there is speaking of the Godhead. OK, again, we know that God is the father. We know that God is the son. We know that God is the Holy Spirit as well. God, in three persons, blessed Trinity is what we sing when we sing the hymn, holy, 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 and again, there are a lot of people that struggle with the Godhead, uh but this again is the Godhead, speaking here, God is one person: the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, they are all one now the the question here where he asks, whom shall I send and and who will go for us it It does not mean that he did not know uh who who would go or who would go for on behalf on his behalf it did not mean that that the lord had no idea who he would send essentially and isaiah understood very well what was being asked here in this 8 verse because we'll see him respond there in that 8 verse as well the lord was essentially asking isaiah are you ready because you see isaiah felt that that he was not worthy Okay, he felt that he was not worthy when when he saw what he saw in the vision. He said that that I'm a a man of unclean lips. Essentially, I'm not worthy. I'm not ready. You know, I don't I don't believe that I'm I'm ready for this. The reason why I don't don't think that I'm ready is because I'm just a sinner that lives in a world of sinners as well. And and I'm not worthy of, of 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 being here, of being in your presence. The Lord has now made him worthy of this commission. He's now made him worthy of the task that he has for him. And the Lord is essentially asking Isaiah right now, are you ready to serve? And we will see Isaiah respond there. Uh, It says, then I said, here am I send me Isaiah, uh, one who thought that he was unworthy is now saying, I am worthy. I am fit now and I am ready. You have made me ready. Send me. And this reminds me this verse reminds me of a sermon that my dad preached uh, when I was a young boy. Uh, my dad preached a sermon that was titled "Send me, I will go." And my dad, later on in life uh he he joked about uh he, he, he joked and, and and it was a joke, but he was also uh, very serious uh with this statement. He said that you have to be careful uh about what you tell what you say to the Lord." And he said, "You know, when I said send me, I'll go." I did not know. I did not understand uh what I was saying at that time. When when I said that, and and, and my dad went on to explain that uh the the task that God has for us is not going to be rainbows and sunshine all the time. Uh, the task is going to be a difficult one because again, we live in in a world of wickedness. Isaiah said that he lived in a uh, in the midst of, of, of people with unclean lips. And the thing about living in the midst of those with unclean lips, the thing about living in the midst of wickedness is that uh, you're going to be despised for the message that you have to share. You're going to be hated for uh, the message that you have to share. Again, as Jesus said, uh, the world hated him. Therefore the world is going to hate us as well because we are uh, working on his behalf. We are ambassadors for him. We are being commissioned uh, by him to carry out the task in which he uh, himself began. So my dad, again, he, he essentially explained that it's going to be a difficult task for for us to carry out. And we have to be very careful about what we say to the Lord, because the Lord uh, may send us somewhere that may terrify us. But again, we can't let the spirit of fear control us. God has not given us the spirit of fear. He's given us a spirit of of courage, of, of power and And so we should continue to push ahead. We should continue to push forward uh, wherever it is that that the Lord sends us or however it is that uh, God uses us. So again, we see it say there in the verse. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Isaiah said, here am I, send me. Okay, here am I, send me is what Isaiah says there. Uh, in the closing verse of our lesson today. So again, faithful to serve is the title for this unit of lessons for, uh, this month. And we see, uh, now that God had made Isaiah fit and ready to serve, Isaiah was ready to serve. He was now fit and ready to go himself. You and I today, uh, we have been made ready by the Lord. God has sanctified us for the purpose of carrying out the task that he has commissioned us to do. Our hearts has to be open. It has to be open to accepting uh, the task to the call, the commission uh, that God has for us. And then we have to go out and we have to to do it dutifully. Okay, We have to be diligent in our service of him. Okay. All right, so that is our lesson for this week. I certainly hope that you enjoyed this lesson and I hope that you will share this lesson with someone somewhere. I hope that you will come back for our Sunday school lesson next week as we continue forward in our summer quarter of Sunday school lessons. Again, until that time, let us continue to keep one another lifted up in prayer. You never know what anyone is going through. So let us again continue to keep each other lifted up in prayer. And again, let us continue about in grace and in love. Our world needs that today the world needs your love. And God has called for us to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. So until next time, I'll continue to keep all of you lifted up in my prayers. And I'll pray that the Lord continues to keep and to bless all of you.